Hello. Just before we start, don't forget that this DNA Detectives podcast is inspired by the DNA Detectives books, and you can find those online and in all good bookshops. Hello and welcome to the DNA Detectives, the podcast all about DNA. I'm Dr Mandy Hartley. I'm a scientist and I work with DNA and I also write the DNA Detective books all about Annabelle and Harry, two children who use DNA to solve mysteries. We're investigating what DNA is, why it's important and what it's used for. And helping me to do that is the real Annabelle from the DNA Detective books, who is also my daughter. Hello! Have you ever watched shows on the TV about the police solving crimes? They often talk about forensics, but have you ever wondered what that means? A forensic scientist is someone who tries to work out what happened at a crime scene using the physical evidence found there, and that includes DNA. To find out more, we spoke to Jessica Wenham, who is the head of the DNA team at Key Forensic Services. Before we start, remember to listen carefully, as right at the end I'll be asking some questions to see if you've been listening. We started off by asking Jessica to tell us what she actually does. I'm a forensic scientist and I specialise in DNA profiling. So within my role, I sort of oversee the running of a busy DNA profiling department, as well as making sure that um, as a company, we're sort of kept up to date with all the latest DNA technologies. DNA profiling is a way of getting um, information from cells, um, which tells you all about individuals um, and their um, DNA, which is inherited from their parents. Um, so you inherit half from one parent and half from the other. Um, we have a number of different methods um, of processes that we use. And um, at the end of it, you'll end up with um, a series of numbers. Um, and these numbers are then used to sort of define your DNA profile. And they can be compared to suspects or um, information found at crime scenes. Oh, that's fantastic. So you kind of match them up like a criminal game of snap. <laughs> yeah. Yes, something like that. <laughs> and what is it that makes DNA so useful when it comes to solving crimes? Where it's inherited from your parents, it's very unique to you as an individual. Um, and the only exception to that is identical twins because they inherit the same DNA from their parents. But everybody else, it's, it's different. And the areas that we look at are highly variable. So if you get a full DNA profile, the chance of two individuals having the same profile is more than one in a billion. Oh, that's incredible. Um, so I was thinking, like, if we can imagine the scenario, so a thief has stolen something, maybe some PS4 consoles and TVs from a shop, and they've smashed a window and it looks like they might have cut themselves on the glass. When the police officers go to a crime scene like this, what are they looking for? And particularly in terms of DNA, what are they looking for? So the police would be looking for blood on the glass or on the floor from where they potentially cut themselves. Um, blood's a really good source of DNA um, and it's likely to result in a DNA profile from a single individual. They'd also look for um, anything that the thief has maybe left behind at the crime scene. So things like um, a drinks can or a cigarette butt, um, which is also another good sources of DNA. Um, they may also look at potential areas where um, a thief has touched a surface or moved something where they could potentially get touch DNA and also maybe fingerprints as well. So, so anywhere that they touch could leave DNA behind? 
Yep, so you can transfer your DNA just by touching surfaces. Oh, that's incredible. And so is clothing a good one as well? Yeah, clothing's very good because obviously it comes into contact with your body and all of your cells will rub off onto the clothing and within those cells is your DNA. It sounds like DNA is really important and really vital in order to find out who the thief is. But how do you collect the DNA samples from the crime scene? So um, samples are collected using a number of different methods. Um, if the item at the crime scene is not easily retrievable, then the, they'll actually do the sampling at the crime scene. Um, if the item is something smaller, then generally they'll be taken um, um, back to the lab and the sampling will be done at the laboratory. Sampling techniques are different depending on, on what's being sampled. Um, smooth surfaces, they tend to use a swabbing technique, which is a wet swab followed by a dry swab. They're like big cotton buds, um, or we also have some that are sort of tiny pointed cotton buds. So if you've got a small surface with lots of grooves, you'd use a really tiny one to get right into the grooves. Um, the other option we use is um, if it's a porous surface, so things like clothing, um, you can use swabs, but you can also use um, mini tapes. And they're like small sort of squares of sellotape, and they're just used to sort of pick up any DNA and fibres from the clothing or whatever porous surface they're being used on. Wow. And how do you get the samples to the lab? Occasionally they are brought to the laboratory by the police, um, but more routinely one of our drivers will go and collect them from the police forces. And how, how do you make sure people don't tamper with them? Yeah, so once they arrive, they get, um, we call it booked in, so they're sort of, as part of that process, we um, check the chain of continuity. And that's really important to make sure that the samples have been within either the police's possession or our possession to make sure that nobody has tampered with them and that they haven't been compromised. And, and when you say compromised, is, what, what would that mean? So if somebody else was to touch them and um, they could potentially contaminate the DNA within them um, or somebody could store it incorrectly and again it could affect the DNA within the sample um, or potentially even lose them if they're not so the chain of continuity is not withheld. Oh wow goodness and, and do you ever have a problem with DNA from from the people in the lab getting into the samples? Yes, obviously, with everything that we do, there is human interaction. So there is always a chance that um, people within the lab um, or the police force can end up in the samples. But um, we hold DNA profiles for all of our staff so we could double check everything that goes out to make sure that that hasn't happened. So once you've got the DNA into the lab, how do you get the DNA from the samples? OK, so there's a number of different ways to get DNA from a sample. Um, we use sort of specialist reagents and they break open the cells releasing the DNA. Um, this is then bound to like either a column or a magnetic bead. Um, so the DNA is held somewhere safe and then it's sort of washed. Um, the reason it's washed is to remove anything that could inhibit the DNA process, which is sort of things like um, if it was from some genes, the dye can sometimes interfere with the DNA process. Um, once they've been washed and the DNA has been released from either the column or the beads, um, what we then look at is how much DNA is in the sample. After that then it goes for a process called PCR, which is um, short for polymerase chain reaction. Um, and that process basically amplifies the amount of DNA within the sample. Do, do you mean it just makes more, more of the DNA? Yes, basically it just makes more. So your DNA, um, if you think of it as a train line, 
Um, it, the train track sort of splits into two and then as part of the PCR process, they put new bits of track in either side. So your single train track becomes two and that keeps happening. So then your two train tracks split in half, um, more is put in and then that becomes four train tracks. So that's sort of how they amplify your DNA. And then at the end, we use a machine called um, a capillary electrophoresis machine, which basically just takes photos of the DNA. Um, it's like a laser and a camera and um, the DNA fluoresces. It lights up like a lightsaber would, so it, it sort of illuminates. And the camera takes a photo of it and it appears as just a series of peaks and each of those peaks are given a number. And then that series of numbers is your individual DNA profile. So it kind of comes up. So you start with a kind of chemical and then it comes out with a pattern, a kind of unique pattern for everybody. Yes, that's it. So what happens when you've got all these DNA patterns? How do you then match it to your, your potential criminal? So you've got a series of, of numbers, which is your DNA profile. Um, so what we'll do is um, that gets loaded to the national dna database um, and this is like a huge database and it's made up of either um, dna profiles that have been found at crime scenes or dna profiles that have been taken from individuals who have been arrested for a crime um, as we load it what the database does is a series of matching and it will go through and check whether what we've loaded matches anything on there um, so it can potentially identify um, a, a potential suspect from somebody who's been previously arrested for another crime and it can also link crime scenes so if it matched um, a DNA profile found at another crime scene it would potentially link two crime scenes together which gives um, the police who are investigating um, a bit more sort of information around um, the sort of potential suspect. Oh, yeah. So I, I was just going to say about the DNA database. So basically, if we haven't been in trouble with the police, then our sample won't be on the DNA database. Is that right? We don't need to worry. Yeah, that's right. Um, in the the database is only um, people that have been arrested for a crime. Um, and also, if you are arrested for a crime and then found um, not guilty, you haven't um, actually committed that crime, then your DNA profile is removed. And is that right that DNA from relatives can be used to catch criminals? Um, yes, that is right. So as I mentioned before, DNA is inherited from your parents. So your DNA will be very similar to your parents and also to your siblings as well. And that can help identify criminals. So just maybe could you tell us about a case, you know, give us some examples of some of the evidence that was collected and, and how that led to a criminal conviction? Uh, yes, yeah, so we once had um, a, a sort of number of cases um, and it was just, um, they were mainly burglaries. They were all within the same sort of similar area and at each of these we were finding the same blood which was giving us the same DNA profile and um, that was loaded to the database and we got a match so that actually identified the suspect of who was committing all of those burglaries. So DNA is obviously very important to find out who the criminal is, but can you give an example of a case you worked on where the DNA that was used to solve the case came from an unusual source or the scientists were lucky to find it? Um, yeah, so we've worked on a number of very interesting cases. Um, we once had a case where the um, offender had eaten some fried chicken and left the bones behind at the the um, crime scene, um, we managed to get a DNA profile from the chicken bones and actually identify the offender from that. Um, so that was a really unusual one. I bet they were furious that they'd left that bit of evidence at the crime scene. <laughs>
And what's the future of using DNA in forensic science? Um, and what, what are those developments are you most excited about? It is always changing, obviously, with all the new technologies that are coming on board. Um, what they're now starting to look at is the additional information we can get from people's DNA. So actually being able to tell um, hair colour and eye colour and people's ethnicity. So that's obviously really very interesting and very helpful um, for police who are investigating crimes. The job you do sounds absolutely amazing, but did you always want to be a scientist? Um, No, when I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor. Um, But then when I was looking around at different universities, I was really interested by a forensics course that was on offer at the university I went to. So um, I decided to sort of follow that path. Wow. And what's the most favourite part of your job? Well, I like the fact that no two days are ever the same. Um, So it's very varied. Um, I also like the fact that all the hard work that myself and my colleagues are doing, it's lovely when we can help the police and um, get a result that we know is going to assist them to get a conviction. So that was Jessica Wenham telling us how she came to be a forensic scientist. It's a relief to know that Jessica and her team are working so hard to catch criminals, isn't it, Annabelle? Yes, it definitely is. I really enjoyed hearing about some of the incredible and funny cases she has worked on. I'm relieved to find out my DNA won't be held in the National DNA Database. And so am I. So I said at the beginning I was going to ask you some questions. So here we go. And remember, I need you to answer true or false. Identical twins inherit different DNA from their parents. Is that true or false? So ready for the next one. You can transfer your DNA by just touching a surface. What do you think, true or false? The database which holds DNA profiles collected from crime scenes or DNA from people who have been arrested for a crime is called the Grand National DNA Database. Is that true or false? So if you want to check whether you got those questions right, you can go to our website where you'll also find some fun activities and more information about today's episode. The website is insightandperspective.co.uk. So that's all for today. Look out for the other podcasts in this series. Just search for The DNA Detectives wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe, which means you'll automatically get every episode as it comes out. Next time, we'll be finding out how DNA is being used to beat malaria. Till then, goodbye. goodbye!